Hello, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Steve, and I'm here with Bill at Stiegelmeyer Park. Good morning, Bill. Morning, Steve. Well, we're here on a rainy, late November morning, and I don't know, I think we've got to be careful about the rain. Yes. Uh, don't get it's not the time to get sick. So this is the 13th episode ever of The Field Guides. I can't believe we made it this far. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> what we're going to do today, and over the course of many future episodes, is give you the experience of what it's like to be out in the field, in the woods, and on the trail. For almost every episode, Bill and I pick a single natural history topic, research the science on that topic, and head to a natural spot and share with you everything we learned about that topic. And, spoiler alert... <laughs> Not again. <laughs> oh, boy, okay. This episode, Bill and I, we actually covered different topics. Yeah, we yeah. were talking about, you know, what we were going to cover, and time was a little bit of a factor for both of us, so we just decided, hey, let's each pick one or two topics that related to what's out now, what's coming in the wintertime, and just kind of surprise each other. And man, did I surprise you, because I didn't pick just one topic. <laughs> I have many smaller topics. Yeah. Well, do you want to start, oh, or do you want me no. to start? Yeah, why don't you start? All right, so when we were trying to think of, of topics, the one thing that was on my mind was groups of starlings. People had been posting pictures. Uh, I'd just come across some articles. So I know you know what are the groups of star large groups of starlings called? They get together. I don't know. Murmurations. Oh, I thought you were asking me what the terminology was, like ah. how the, you can have like a goggle of geese or something. I don't oh, I have right, no right. idea what those terminologies. Are. But that—that's what it is for starlings. It's oh, is it really? Yeah. That's oh no way! Like a murder of crows and a murmuration of starlings. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Ooh, a nice swale. We just uh, walked fast. <laughs> oh, you know what? Hang on. Before I get into the murmurations, sure. why don't we give people an idea of where we are? Sure, okay. All right, so Stiglmeyer Park, I think, is best described by the words suburban park. We sure. are <laughs> really in the middle of one of the suburbs of Buffalo, uh, and this park, it's about 300 acres, but most of it is um, baseball diamonds and, and picnic shelters. Well, I shouldn't say most of it, but a good chunk of it. Right, just what we're looking at right now, what we can see... A baseball field, just <laughs> just beyond the edge of the woods. Right. Uh, we're on a boardwalk, so obviously that's a bit man-made. And then the path, super, super, yeah. uh, you know, managed by people. Because yeah. it's just like a very, very neat stone it's, path. Yep. That, that's what you'll hear us walking on Completely managed. But yeah. <laughs> uh, the woods around us is, is mostly second growth. There's some wetland through here. A lot of residents do come, and a lot of them like to feed the animals because they're so acclimated to people here that even birds like woodpeckers will eat out of your hand, and oh, yeah. deer will eat out of your hand here. Squirrels come right up behind you. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's, you know, that's an issue that maybe we can tackle in another episode, but sure. it is a nice little island of nature in a sea of suburbia. So. Though the, when I think of Stiegemeyer, I always think of, like, wetland. That's pretty much all I think of. Is well, I think that boardwalk is the boardwalk that's here. Right, that's precisely why it's here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sure. So, get back to murmurations, though. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize, I really think this is a topic we could have covered over the course of a whole episode, and maybe we will. Because as I started to get into it, I realized this isn't just about starlings. I mean, this kind of behavior where you have large groups of individuals massing together, it, you know, people call it collective behavior. And for the different types of animals, the different types of organisms that do it, we have different terms. So when you have a group of birds together, what would you call that? A flock? Right, exactly. Okay. When you, but when you oh, have got it. <laughs> but when you have a group of insects together, you call that a... Oh, I don't know. Oh, you do know. Oh, no, I, do, I don't know. What would you call a big group of... A swarm? Of, exactly, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. okay. What would you call a big group of uh, quadrupeds? A herd? Exactly. And then a group of fish? A school. Yeah, there you go, see? There so, we go. I guess I do know some stuff. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but what do you call a large group of phytoplankton? 
a mat? I suppose you could. A bloom is another <laughs> term. Bloom. Sure. Although some people separate that out because um, you could argue that phytoplankton aren't necessarily self-propelled the way the other animals are. Sure. So they yeah. kind of some plankton kind of go with the the currents. Flow. Yeah. They go with the flow. They they can direct themselves a little, <laughs> a little bit, bit, like up and down, and yeah. you know. depending on which organism you're talking about too. But sure. all this swarm behavior, it's like this huge area of research that I had no idea about, and there there really is no one major term that covers all of this behavior, other than just calling it collective motion. Right. All right. And do you think they're doing it? Uh, tell me if you're going to talk about this. Do you think they're doing it for different reasons? Yes. Okay. Definitely. Let's zoom in on birds, though, because we're talking about murmurations. Do you know what you call a group of owls? I thought this was what a it hoot. Was. A hoot of owls. <laughs> a parliament of owls. A parliament a of parliament, owls. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, a group of cats. I don't know. A destruction of cats. Oh, so you did, did you have this written down in your notes? Were you ready to say this? Yeah, I was. Okay, yeah. I'm, so, I'm glad that I brought up... Uh, no, again, which one did I get totally wrong before? A geese? A, a, a gaggle of geese? No, that is true. Oh, a that's gaggle, actually the one? That is accurate. Oh, wow. Yeah. But I should say that for any one group of animals, you could probably find several different terms. Sure. You know what I mean? I think there's, like, a f I think there's official... There are okay. some yeah. that are generally accepted. What, what are people called? Uh... That was a trick question. <laughs> this isn't a podcast about people. <laughs> but I was thinking of that, like it would be funny to come up with ones for people, like uh, uh, a Miyazaki of anime enthusiasts. Or, uh, uh, a hot mess of people. <laughs> a Sagan of nerds. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, that's good. But anyway, so there's actually a book. Oh, a cosmos of nerds. Oh, oh that's good. pretty good. <laughs> There's a, uh, a book out there, there's several books out there about collective terms for animals. I, I don't know if this will be a big deal to you, but one of them is written by James Lipton. Do you know who James Lipton is? No. He's the guy who, he's a bigwig in the actor's studio, and he had a, a TV show where he would interview actors about method acting. And he wrote a book called An Exaltation of Larks. It's like, <laughs> this is random? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it did get a lot of good reviews on, on Amazon, so people can check it out if they're interested, but... Getting back to murmurations, we've got a little off track. Finally, yeah. yeah. <laughs> People see it more often in Europe, you know, where starlings are native to, but you'll get at dusk these huge gatherings of starlings. We're talking anywhere from hundreds to tens of thousands of birds. Uh, we do get them sometimes here in the States, not as much, but they've been studied for a long time. And it's funny, in a, in a lot of the, uh, the reading I did, they talked about how kind of the easy answer is, it's to avoid predators. And they right. said, that's a favorite explanation of undergraduate, undergraduate evolutionary biology classes. <laughs> <laughs> because it's just kind of this simplistic uh, explanation. Most of what I'm sharing comes from this great article that appeared in Current Biology in 2012 by King and Sumter. I'd recommend people check it out because it gives a general overview of what murmurations are, what the current research says. And then it allowed me to search into a lot of other papers as well. But the answer of why do these huge groups occur we don't know. There's, there's, there's lots of theories out there. How, how many times on the field, guys, have you heard us say, I don't know? Exactly. I think that should lend to our credibility. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and nothing else, because at least we're honest. We're honest, but... But then we tell you what people are thinking. Right, so there's ideas out there, and it does have something to do with predators. And kind of the easy answer is, oh, well, if you're in a large group, the, ch the chances are less that you're going to get picked off by a predator than if you were by yourself. Right. That's the easy answer. And that's what they call the selfish herd. I'm sure you've, you've okay, heard yeah. that. Uh, or it's like, it's a guarantee that one of us will get eaten, right. but the chance of any single one of us getting eaten is very low. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I just have to run faster than you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
but there's there's problems with that theory. One of the one of the lines again, the the, the guys who wrote this article, you can tell they had a bit of a sense of humor mm-hmm. because they said, if you're producing spectacular displays every evening, it's probably not the best way to avoid being seen by predators, right? <laughs> right. Because the, there are these spectacular displays. Have you seen them? The the murmurations where they just move in oh, waves. Oh yeah. I think and I think I've seen them like over the ocean. They're moving in these crazy. It looks like a uh, an old early two thousand screensaver. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. Okay. I totally yeah. know what you're thinking about. I, I had a more uh, a poetic uh, reference. I said it <laughs> was more poetic than a screensaver. <laughs> that it reminds me of the aurora, the oh, borealis, okay. the way gotcha. it moves, kind of a curtain mm-hmm. moving through the, the sky. So current research says that it probably provides a way of monit- monitoring predators as they approach. But more recent research has shown that formations of waves and murmurations it's linked to reduce predation. Hmm. So there was one study that actually reviewed video, quantitative analysis of video. Uh, they did direct observation. And what they saw is that when a predator approaches a uh, peregrine falcon they were looking at, a wave would emanate away from it. And it would oh. actually move faster than the rest of the flock. And almost always it would result in reduced predation success hmm. when they would form these waves. That's interesting. So, and the neat thing is when a murmuration or, or a flock is moving together, it's kind of described as the birds are always trying to move towards the center. Okay. So it's never stable. It's always this kind of rotating mass. It's, it's always changing. I wish we had a way of measuring the number of collisions that happen in those. Because I wonder if they're like oh, they do. surprisingly low. Right. <laughs> or, if, or if they're surprisingly common. Surprisingly high. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I talked about how it's, it's such a hugely interesting field because it's interdisciplinary. You have so many fields looking into it. You have biologists, engineers, physicists, mathematicians. Mm-hmm. They're all trying to figure it out because if they can figure out kind of the mysteries of this collective motion, it could open up the doorway to um, designing intelligent swarms of robots. Sure. So did you ever, you saw uh, Big Hero 6? I haven't, but I, th- oh. I think I've seen a little bit of the comic stuff. Because one of the, the basics is the villain kind of gets a hold of this army of little tiny robots and can do like crazy things with it. Oh. So, Doesn't it happen at the Matrix too? Like at the end of the Matrix, oh, Neo's I... talking to a face that's made out of all little robots? Uh, the the first one's the only one that matters. <laughs> oh no! Don't okay. watch the other two. <laughs> <laughs> he says, sixteen years later, don't watch the other two. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But if people are interested, look up like on YouTube. Look up Boyd's. 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 <laughs> Is this a person from Brooklyn? A viral video. <laughs> you know what? I look at all these Boyd's. Or actually, I, I don't know what a Brooklyn accent is. As no, it turns you're right. Because no. doing this research, I saw that term Boyd's a whole bunch of times. Sure. And only when I started, I looked at the comment sections on some of the YouTube videos. They're like, Boyd's? What is this, someone from New York? <laughs> right. And I even made a note. I'm like, oh, I have to mention that. And you brought it up. Yeah. Well. But no, it's referring to, like, biology and droids. Oh. So back in the 80s, someone developed this program that simulates flocking behavior. Mm, and it's yeah. been built on since then. So if you go onto YouTube, you can see all these different creations. It's based on these mathematical models sure, of how sure. flocks can move. Um, and they're trying to take that information and, and extrapolate it into creating something in real life. I have a culture reference really quick. Go ahead. In Lost, there was a theory that the smoke monster was actually some kind of nanotechnology, uh, and, and that's what it was, sort of like moving in a murmuration. Sure. But I guess another movie, or a movie had done that in the past. The creators had said that they weren't going to do what uh, the movie had already done, and the smoke monster was actually smoke. Well, 
for a lot of that show, I had a feeling they didn't know what they were doing. They were just like, <laughs> sure. This idea is cool. We'll explain it later. The show was not about getting answers. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was all about the ride. Yeah. Kind of like our uh, podcast. Sure. <laughs> so I know I'm taking up a lot of our time here. So I'm just going to end with, you know, you talked about collisions. Mm-hmm. So one thing that's come out recently is that in the past, researchers thought birds operated in a flock, and, and really most organisms operated in a flock based on a metric model, which means they were reacting within the flock based on how far away they were from the birds around them. Yeah. But what recent research is showing, at least in starlings, because they've done some crazy research where they set up cameras like all around a flock so they get a three-dimensional model of what's going on That's incredible. in the flock. <laughs> That's so cool. And what they figured out is it's really more of a, hang on, i got to make sure I get this right, a topological model, which kind of sounds like a topographic That's, that's map. a surfaces. That's right. the math of surfaces, right? So what they're thinking is the bird is keeping track of a certain number of individuals around itself. So it's always trying to keep a certain number of individuals around itself. And if every bird's doing that. So it's almost like this this pulsing area around each bird that grows and shrinks um, as the flock moves. It's crazy, crazy stuff. Right. I love the idea that, obviously, this goes without saying, but it's not something that a bird can do on its own, but it's an emergent behavior of evolution and a certain number of birds together. And And just the idea that... This is made up of individuals doing relatively simple motions, but then together it creates this incredibly complex system. Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. I love that. So I'm just going to end with the questions that remain. Sure. The questions that still have to get answered. How many neighbors do starlings interact with? Do they try to take the same heading as their neighbors, or are they just attracted to them? Are the interactions mediated through sight or maybe by dynamics of airflow that the murmuration creates? Mm -hmm. And could the whole swirling, pulsing thing be explained only in terms of avoiding collisions? Okay. So there's all these questions that still need to be answered. But uh, like I said, obviously this could be a couple episodes, but uh, just to whet people's appetite. And if you're interested, folks, go online and you can look up uh, a YouTube clip. It was filmed about five years ago on the River Shannon. These two girls were out canoeing. And I've seen this video. They filmed yeah. it. It has like 26 million hits. Oh, yeah. I think it yeah, blew up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But check it out because it is beautiful. Oh, I yeah. love it. All right. So I feel like I, I got so excited about murmurations there that we didn't talk at all about the specifics of starlings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but, Sternella. But um, what I would say to people is, yeah. is look up starlings. You know, maybe we'll talk about starlings. In so you're episode. not going to tell them anything? <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, a, they're a beautiful black bird. They have... Uh, a, red, a, a yellowish bill. Yeah. Uh, they're speckled all over the place. They really are a fantastic-looking bird. But they're an introduced species. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people hate starlings because they do uh, drive bluebirds out of their nests. But if you live in an, an urban or a suburban area, or I guess almost any area, sure, you'll, yeah. you probably have seen starlings, whether you notice them or not. Oh, even on the side of the road, you'll see starlings in little groups. I think in the wintertime, they they get into groups of like 15, 20, so maybe sometimes more. Right. But you'll just see them like kind of hopping around on the side of the road together, yeah. just hanging out. So I remember reading about it as well and then seeing it for sure. But. Now, I know some uh, bluebird enthusiasts, though, that manage bluebird trails. Mm-hmm. They have no qualms about killing starlings that oh, they boy. find in the nest. That's illegal, right? No, they're not protected because they're not a native species. I thought all passerines were... Uh, I do not believe starlings are because I know right. uh, pigeons are not. I didn't know that I either. I don't believe starlings are either. Wow. If only a... we could like train our cats to only go after one or two species <laughs> oh, of birds. What a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the cats that you're going to let outside. You shouldn't. <laughs> no one should let their cats outside. Uh, we domesticated them. They're totally cool with the indoors. Yeah. Give them lots of love and, and room. 
but um, you shouldn't let them outside. <laughs> it's better for the cat and it's better for the environment. We just lost half our audience. We did. <laughs> Click. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, so Steve has an, uh, has an announcement to make. We were talking yeah. off mic. So I feel like you, you really did get out of control there for a minute. <laughs> and uh, Bill and I have been uh, playing with the idea of doing shorter episodes. Um, so we think we may just do two 15-minute episodes We're gonna this month. We're going to break this walk into two-parter. Yeah, and, and we do want to say, uh, patrons, I know you guys pay per episode, so part don't two will worry. Be free. Part two is free. Yeah. We're only charging for one episode, and, and, and part two will just come a week um, after this one's posted. Yeah, it'll come out soon. All right, so let's let's uh, we got to wrap it up then, right? Yeah, I guess yeah. so. So, uh, excitingly, we got five new reviews. And I would like to think it's because... Last episode, we encouraged people to leave reviews. Yeah. So thank you for listening, folks. Uh huh. And we didn't do. Oh, maybe this is the special thing we did. Because <laughs> you did say we'll do something special when we get to 25. Oh, I thought you said 15. No, no, when oh, we get to 25. Right. Oh, I edited the 15 out. That's what happened. I edit so much out of these podcasts. <laughs> so, folks, if you do want to get in touch with us, check out our website, thefieldguidespodcast.com. You can always email us suggestions, praise, criticism, anything you want to thefieldguides at gmail.com. Check out our Twitter feed at, at @fieldguidespod, and check out Steve's great work uh, on Instagram at fieldguidespodcast. I do have to say my weekly work on Instagram. <laughs> Steve, you may have noticed if you're on online uh, checking us out, you may have noticed that Steve posted we reached 500 followers on Facebook. So thank you everybody for yes. doing that. And that was one, an exciting. Yeah. 1,000 Instagram followers. Yeah. And Steve did an amazing job putting up an Instagram picture of Sylvester Stallone <laughs> sporting a Field Guides T-shirt. Yeah, where did he get that from? <laughs> it looked so legit that I didn't even notice it had a Field Guides logo on it until yeah. like two or three days later. I'm like, oh, wow. You could tell, though, that, that um, the people who like us are the right kind of people because that picture is like one of the least like pictures on our whole account. <laughs> and even like the picture before it has like 200 likes, the picture after it has about 200 likes, that picture has like 40 likes. So they're like, nope, ain't nature. So, and they just I don't go right care. by it. And I love that. I love that about you guys. <laughs> we got to get a bird in a Field Guides t-shirt. Right. They're like, this account's not about you. I'm not liking this. This account's about nature and seeing cool stuff. That's right. It's basically a Pokemon account. You have to admit that it's basically like real-life Pokemon because I take every single species. It's just a blown-up version <laughs> of that species. So everything looks the same size, whether it's a bobcat that we posted or it's or like an insect. the tiniest little uh, uh, tiger beetle. <laughs> they're, all, they're all the same size on Instagram, and I really do. When I, when I scroll through our page... I honestly think of Pokemon. <laughs> I think it's a Pokemon account. It's all close-ups. Oh, it's incredible, yeah. I have noticed that. Yeah. I know, yeah. I know. And there's problems with close-ups, but... That's yeah. your thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess so. We still love you, Steve. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, of course, we want to give a big, sincere thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. Steve and I want to thank you by name, but, of course, we forgot the list when we came out on the trail today. But we promise that in Part 2... But we promise that in a future episode, we will be thanking you by name. Um, please don't think that reflects any ingratitude on our part. So, Steve, let people know if they do want to become a patron of the show, where do they go? They can go to patreon.com forward slash the field guides. And that's one of the best ways to support us because uh, through patronage like that, we can get better equipment. Mm -hmm. uh, we can just do better work on the show. I think we finally got to the point where we're not losing money every episode. <laughs> that's always a good point to yeah. be at. Yeah. Yeah. Just for, yeah, for the last year or so, we've been losing a bit of money <laughs> on the podcast. But it's been fun. And we, we, we want to keep doing it even if we lose money. That's right. Yeah. And we've learned a lot. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. And remember, this is part one. Look for part two coming up soon.